0: All right. Welcome to episode two of Liberty Alliance Network's What Can We Do? Uh, I'm Haley Heathman. Today, I am pleased to be here with Laura Blodgett. Uh, We're going to talk about homeschooling today. Uh, Laura is a Christian ANCAP. Uh, She's been happily married to her husband for 38 years, Um, and she and her husband raised seven children and uh, included teaching them at home through high school. Um, Laura also stays very busy with everything from writing projects to learning to ride new horses. And she also runs the website and associated social media pages of the happy homeschool.com. Laura, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining me.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: So, um, I've known you on social media for several years. We've never really met in person, but I've always enjoyed interacting with you. You have very reasonable, rational, well thought out, um, takes and insights on a, on a variety of issues. And, um, Thanks. when I posted my, um, last well, episode one, the one where I, sh- uh, the one I did with Sibel Edmonds, um, and I made a social media post about it and I kind of said, well, um, yeah, if you guys know of anybody that wants to um, to be interviewed, I'm happy to interview lots of people on a variety of subjects. And you're like, well, what's more important than homeschooling and education? You know, I'd be right. happy to talk. And so you kind of nominated yourself. I'm like, well, of course. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I kind of I, I want to go for the jugular right away. Um, and uh, I assume that all seven of your kids uh, live in your basement and have uh, no social <laughs> skills. Um, they, they, they're total wallflowers. They, they have no idea how to interact with society at large. Is, is that a fair assumption?
1: Oh man, you covered a lot of stereotypes there. (laughs) Um, my, my children, all adults now are highly valued by their employers and their spouses. Um, even when they were in their mid teens and they started getting their first jobs and, um, maybe babysitting or, or doing things like that, working at pizza places, people would say to me, Oh, can I have your children? I I want your children Mm -hmm. because they had a happy work ethic Mm -hmm. and they knew how to be kind and responsible.
0: Yeah. I I think um, it's, one of my, oh, it, it boils my blood, actually. It's, it, it really bothers me that, that one of the biggest criticisms you'll see, to this day, I keep thinking, oh, maybe we've gotten beyond that. But the biggest, one of the biggest uh, criticisms of homeschooling is, well, they won't be socialized. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what do you have to say to that?
1: That is so old and worn out and shallow. And it just shows that people, well, on one hand, they're, They're defending themselves. It's an easy way to sound like your choice is better. And um, Mm -hmm. I I had to recognize early on that my choice to do this challenged everybody else who chose not to do it. And it's a very uncomfortable challenge because I am putting my children first on a level that they're not.
0: That's a great way of putting it. That's a great way of putting it.
1: Nobody likes to be in that spot. So they have to come up with reasons why their choice is better. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as uh, responding directly, if I, I frequently uh, will weigh how someone is saying these things to me, like, do you really want to have a discussion? Are you just being obnoxious? Um, more often than not, people will agree with me. And then their final comment is, oh, but I could never do that.
0: Oh, right. Exactly. And, and I, I see that that's another kind of common, um, objection to homeschooling is, um, well, I'm not qualified. I'm not a teacher. I don't think I could do that. I don't know how to teach my kids about calculus or this and that. And, um, well, there are a lot of different ways you could approach that. But, um, what, one of the best responses I've seen to that is, well, what does that say about the system that educated you, that you don't even feel confident enough in your own knowledge and skills and abilities to be able to pass that along to your own children? What would yeah. your response be to that? Well,
1: I, I can see possibly doing that further in the conversation. But if I really want to have a conversation to make someone evaluate the possibilities, I want to go more positive. So I'm going to talk about things like you actually are qualified at the very basic levels to help your child learn the foundational skills of reading and writing, communicating, you might say, and basic math. I mean, if you run a household, you know basic math. And if you start doing that with your kids when they're younger and reviewing all of those things, You learn them yourself on a whole different level. And then when it comes time to do the higher math, you're a lot more ready than you expected to be. Now, that's not to say that everybody has all the same strengths. And that's just another way to help people evaluate when you get to higher levels of some subjects where you feel like you would like to draw in other resources, then by all means do that, but still be the primary mover in your child's education and but still don't don't discount your own ability to learn
0: yeah and i think um i think it also comes from a misguided notion of what homeschooling is people think that homeschooling is teaching your kids and instead i think a better way of thinking about it is going on a journey with your kids, being a partner with your kids in their own learning journey and helping them along the ride. So it's not about you having to impart your knowledge directly to your children. It's about facilitating their own learning process. Um, And and so I think that's what people get wrong. It's where they, they have this Maybe a stereotype of what homeschooling looks like, where we all just sit at the kitchen table. You're all doing a workbook. You 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 live at home. You you, it's like schooling. They're just trying to replicate schooling at home, and um, that's just well. I think if it's done right, that's false. Not to say that that never happens, right? Um, But um, I think that's more of a stereotype than reality. Um, When you were homeschooling, what was your I guess, philosophy, or how did you approach it?
1: I think, well, everybody learns along the way, just like when you become a new parent, there's so many things you learn simply because as much as somebody tries to explain to you the things you need to know as a new parent, there is nothing that can prepare you like actually being a parent and having to problem solve. Mm -hmm. But on, on a broader scope, I like to say that, Teaching your own children is just being a parent. Yes. It's a it's a false separation um, that we have been trained to think of our society, our culture um, for various reasons. Some of it is because some parents feel inadequate, or I mean, if you even look in in um, a couple of centuries ago, some of the parents who were more well off they hired out the raising of their children. And it's interesting that even with that, there's such a stereotype that the kids had the relationship with the teachers and the governesses, and not with their parents. Mm-hmm. So, to me, it is parenting. It's not, oh, I'm a parent and I'm a teacher. It's mm-hmm. I am a parent.
0: Mm-hmm. That's that's exactly it. I think you know they're they're intertwined. They they can't be separated and. Um, I think that's also why um, what you touched on at the beginning is so important. And and even though it's something I instinctively knew um, hearing you say it, like it, you know, the way that people think of homeschooling, it's a challenge to their decision-making and indirectly because it's not just about schooling them. It's about parenting as -hmm. well, which is a very personal thing. Um, And everybody, nobody wants to think that they're a bad parent. So you're almost Mm -hmm. kind of in a backdoor way suggesting that, they're a bad parent for um, not homeschooling their kids or or saying that they're doing something wrong, or they want you to feel kind of conversely like you're the outlier here, like you're the weirdo. And that's kind of, I think, to an extent how they have painted us, um, mm-hmm. especially uh, the more religious homeschoolers. Um, uh, were you, was that the the, the genesis of, your homeschooling journey, did it have to do with your faith? Or tell me a little bit about what got you started. Did you know before you had kids, you wanted to homeschool them? Or was there um, a reason for it? Maybe a bad experience at public schools? Um, Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, Although
1: I would say that I knew from the start that morals, values, faith, worldview were all very foundational to how I wanted to introduce things and how I wanted to help my children to think and evaluate. And I'd like to put the emphasis here on think and evaluate, because I was painfully aware from the start that no matter how important these things were to me, that unless I taught them, introduced them, helped them discover them as truth for themselves, it wouldn't be truth to them, so it's not like I just said here. Believe this, or you're in trouble. <laughs>
0: uh-huh.
1: um, but the the actual story of us starting to teach our kids at home is rather comical. Um, we lived in Southern California. My husband and I were driving home from somewhere um, by ourselves. I think our kids, our one daughter, maybe at the time uh, was being babysat, and he said what do you think about homeschooling? And I said, I've never heard of that. And he said, well, I heard about it on this, on this Christian radio show interview. And I thought about it for a minute. I said, I think I could do that. <laughs> and it's was just, it was like nobody had, I just didn't even know the concept existed. But as soon as I knew it did, it's like, well, duh, why wouldn't I do that? I wish, I'm so glad I heard
0: about that. How, how many kids did you have at the time and how old were they?
1: Um, I think we had to, um, cause I think it came up because our oldest was four and then our second was about a year and a half.
0: Okay. So they, so they hadn't really been subject to school yet. Like they hadn't been in school and you had to pull them out, maybe the, the four year old a little bit.
1: Um, she had been subjected to babysitters because mm-hmm. I had gone to nursing school while she was mm-hmm. younger, which, um. I don't recommend doing when you have a young child.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a lot. Um, yeah. But they hadn't been, so your kids were never fully in the school system. Basically. They were never,
1: even, even when um, she was babysat, it was never a preschool. It was always in a home. So mm-hmm. no, they, they never were uh, in an institutionalized classroom setting except when my daughter tried to participate, my oldest daughter tried to participate in band for about a year. And um, we found that to be a complete waste of time.
0: Yeah. why? tell me about that. Why was, why do you think, why was that a waste of time? Because I, I'm a musician also. And
1: so I know what it takes to learn, you know, what, and I was in band, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like from sixth grade on, but I hadn't ever evaluated it as a parent the same way, but I knew enough about, you know, you're playing with people, right? You get to do concerts. And, um, but it it became apparent to me that simply by playing with her siblings or with friends, she was getting a same or better experience with much less time and um, fundraising. They wanted to do fundraising. Mm, mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I, I tend to think that maybe, you know, if, Public school systems do things right. Maybe some of these extracurricular things are the things that they get more right than wrong. My brother was um, very much involved in band um, and marching band and show choir, and and maybe maybe just because of my experience, because they were um, award winning. You know, they won state championships and whatever. So I think he had a a good um, experience with it himself. Um, I don't know that you know nobody in our family prior to that was particularly musical. Mm -hmm. So I think that, I don't know that that was an experience he would have gotten outside of the public school system. And um, I think that when people think about homeschooling and then they they, they think about the things, the experiences that I just mentioned, you know, the the, the band, the concerts, the, you know, even the sporting events. I was the athlete, he was the musician. Um, I think that they think that they would be depriving their children of those experiences. Um, What do you think about that? I think
1: that part of the problem is that the state has a monopoly on childhood activities in many ways. But there are many people um, who teach their own children who, for various reasons, don't want them to participate, or they can't. It depends on the state and the state laws. And so there can be a perception that that's the only way to get those experiences. But let me give you an example of our youngest daughter really um, wanted to be involved in some drama productions, and it we had after the band experience, you know, trying to like go to drama class that just wasn't really something anybody was interested in trying. But there were a couple of uh, homeschool groups in the valley. Um, that we trying to put plays together. But when she contacted them, they were, um, they were not going to work for various reasons. Uh, they, she wasn't part of their group. She didn't know them. And so, you know, just because you teach your kids at home, doesn't mean that some of the dynamics of human nature go away.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, much like when we talk about uh, freedom and Liberty, it doesn't mean that, Oh, all of a sudden everybody's going to be nice. Right. Um, yeah. But so she came to me and she was frustrated. And I said, why don't you just do your own, make your own play? And at first that sounds like such an impossibility or um, maybe I'm just being calloused and in saying that. But being that she was taught at home and being that she was used to taking initiative on her own, She put together a stage production of, um, which was the first one, one of the Gilbert and Sullivan plays. I'm going to be in trouble for not remembering. But she got siblings and cousins and friends all involved. And she recorded all of the music. They adapted the dialogue. They set up a stage. She got another daughter to do um, the backdrop art sketches to show um, things and they memorized all of the music and solos and sang them. And we got about 40 people to come sit in our backyard and watch this amazing play that they did. And so not only did she get to be in a play and have a really good role, she got to be in charge and she learned managing and doing things on a level that she would not have learned if she had just been in a drama class
0: that's amazing yeah yeah and it's those really rich full experiences that you get from homeschooling where right um, you're not a participant you're uh or a, a bystander i should say like i think there's a lot of passivity that comes with being in the school system things are mm-hmm. done to you right you don't do things Things are done to you. So homeschooling, it's about being an active participant in your own life, creating mm-hmm. your own destiny. Um, that reminds me of uh, uh, your daughter's experience. It, it sounds like something like a a Tuttle Twins book. You know the Tuttle Twins. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I I think that they. I'm not sure. I, I know that there's one one book that deals with that. But um, it, those are the full, rich experiences that children get. And and again, it's um. Contrary to what people are told about homeschooling, again, if they've just got this this picture in their head of, you know, a little Amish family sitting at a kitchen table working on workbooks and, you know, doing chores, I mean, well, that's that's misses a, a whole bigger picture of what it's about. And like you said, your daughter got to be part, part of everything. And those are the skills that are needed to thrive and survive in the real world and in, in, in the workplace, being an active participant in your life, Mm -hmm. um, and not just allowing people to do things and tell you and direct you and tell you where to go and when to show up, you know, you get to do it all yourself. Mm Um, so, um, when, um, When you uh, start off to, to homeschool, tell me something that um, tell me something that surprised you, and then tell me a little bit about your journey. Obviously, um, it might have evolved. Did you do a curriculum? Did you start off with the curriculum? Were you did you do the same things for all of your kids, um, <laughs> or did it did it vary? Uh, tell me a little bit about that.
1: Um, i just start with a real humorous thing, you know, as when I first started with my oldest daughter, I was surprised that she couldn't write cursive at age four. Oh, mm -hmm. because sometimes you forget, Mm -hmm. you forget what children are capable of. And so part of the journey is um, adjusting expectations and trying to be aware of each child. And not so part of the public school or institutional school system is is conformity, and everybody is supposed to have all these milestones. Now, mm-hmm. I created a lot of stress for a few weeks before I realized that I was being ridiculous
0: mm-hmm.
1: And the thing is that the institutional school system does that to a lot of kids all the time by putting them in little boxes and saying, "You need to be able to do this now." Now, a lot of them are going to say, oh, we don't try to teach our kids cursive it for, Yes, I understand that. But there are a lot of other things that kids do not do on a determined timeline. Reading being one of them. And to try and say that because someone doesn't read, even until they're 12, is, a, mm-hmm. is like slow, is a complete misconception of the individuality. I did have one child that was a very slow to learn to read. And that child is graduated with honors from college. So it doesn't matter. As far as curriculum, yes, because I didn't know anyone in my background, in my family, who taught their own children when I started. Uh, and though I did form a bit of a network, a lot of us at that point in the in the early 80s, it was kind of a new thing. So. Many people were saying, okay, how do you do school? Oh, you use curriculum. And then a lot of people discovered pretty quickly, we don't need to use curriculum. It's, it's dry, it's tedious, and it's not addressing the living uh, discovery educational process that can happen in a, in a less institution. I mean, an institutional setting is um, not real. It's not real life. No. So no. pretty quickly I let certain things of the curriculum go by the wayside. And I remember in particular when the kids were little, obviously before I had all seven, that um, about spring of one year things weren't going well in a sense that I was frustrated and overwhelmed. And I I'm I tend to be a goal oriented person. So, For me to take this step and to be able to evaluate it was um, momentous. And I just stopped and I said, you know what? I'm just going to stop everything. I'm going to read to them and I'm going to spend time with them. But I need to step back and think about this a little bit more. And that was one of the best decisions I ever made because not only did it teach me that you can step back and there's no like, oh, you didn't finish this whole book. I and mean, there were no repercussions from that um, for, for the kids. I mean, if you live in certain states the, where they are more draconian in their laws, you you have some issues there. But even with that, I know a lot of people who find ways to work with that to the benefit of their children so that they're not stressing their children out according to what the system wants you to stress them out with. So. I learned how to step back and evaluate and not be so worried about what I was trying to accomplish that I didn't evaluate what was actually going on and how I was interacting with my kids. And I learned to let go of even more curriculum and be more creative. Plus I got to see that my kids kept engaging with life and being interested. And so I could latch on to things that they were more inclined. And it's not like, I don't want to say my kids led me because they'll tell you right off that I made them do a lot of things. Um, But I was trying to read them more and to be more aware of what they needed to make the education, a thing that could make them prepared for life and um, enjoy the learning process.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, So, you would, would you say that you kind of switched to more like a unschooling type approach or was it a little bit of a mixed bag or was it different for each kid?
1: When I hear people use those terms, I don't think anybody means exactly the same thing by Mm the unschooling versus regular schooling. I think that I did use some more programmed things for math in particular, Um, but more along the lines of when you do anything, when you're trying to learn anything, it's better to learn small amounts regularly and to keep, I mean, like even with exercise, you know, that as an athlete Um, Mm -hmm. learning a language, even a friendship, developing a friendship, spending a little bit of time more regularly builds things up more solidly and more naturally. So, I think that guiding children in those skills is important. And I think that that is probably something that's a little bit lost in the more extreme idea of unschooling, where you just let them do whatever. I think that we go back to the idea of parenting. We're supposed to be guiding our children. Right. But I also would continually try to find what worked, evaluate what was important and not try to just make it, Oh, we need to finish this. It was never about finishing the curriculum. It was always about teaching the child.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've been, um, are you familiar with the libertarian homeschooler? Anna Martin. I think
1: I don't know her by name, but I do think I have seen some of her things.
0: So I've been following her since 2000 and I don't know, 12 or so A long time, a long Uh time. And, um, you know, I, I, I only, I have a 20 month old right now, so she's not Mm -hmm. even two years old. So, but I've been following along, um, with the homeschooling and her journey. She had two sons and she calls them, um, the young statesman and the baby anarchist, uh, (laughs) And she she used to not use their real names on social mm-hmm. media for obvious reasons. And um man, that, that that was it's really been it really informed my perspective on um how I would choose to homeschool and not only that parent, because like you said, you can't really disentangle them, they're they're related. And um I think she took more of an unschooling approach, although um, I think unschooling, it has kind of a, in some pla- in some places, a negative connotation. It's, it's kind of like how, like a, I think, free market capitalism or laissez-faire right. kind of gets like a, a bad rap. It doesn't just mean free-for-all. It doesn't mean right. everybody gets to do what they want whenever they want um, or that there's no rules or regulations or your kids run the household. Mm -hmm. But I think a better way of putting it would be it's more child-led learning using their own natural interests and um, abilities to Mm -hmm. uh, steer the direction of their learning. Um, And she has a, 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 one of her sons has uh, learning disabilities. He's dyslexic and he's kind of the same, in the same way, like where reading and writing has been, not only, I think he's got dyslexia, he's also got dysgraphia or something, which affects your handwriting, where the writing was very hard for him. So he was still like 10, 11, 12 years old and still getting into reading and writing because Mm -hmm. of these um, disabilities. Uh, It's just, um, I see... With the pandemic, I joined um, some Facebook groups for homeschooling. Even though my daughter's still too young, um, I've had it in my head since for a long time that I was going to be homeschooling my daughter. I always knew if and when I have children, I'm going to homeschool them, or mm-hmm. at the very least, right now uh, we're we're going to put her. I think it's starting in the fall, at least, into a Montessori school just to start off with, and then we might pull back from that. But it's either always been either a Montessori based curriculum. Or um, homeschooling for us, but uh, I, I've been part of these various homeschooling groups, and and I know a lot of people were just thrown into this world um, a year ago. It's not, it wasn't an ideal way to be introduced to homeschooling, and of course, especially if you hadn't been thinking about it, like I have been for eight plus years, and and really have a notion of how to do it. Again, people were really stressing about, well, what's the best curriculum? Oh, this isn't working. What you know, they were really stressing the curriculum side of things. And, and um, it caused a lot of people to have a bad taste of homeschooling. Um, but I think that's because they, they weren't getting the real taste. And, and there's a difference between homeschooling and, home, and school at home. And right. I think what a lot of people were experiencing this last year um, With school at home, whether they were doing that because they were still allowing the state to dictate and direct their like they're still trying to be part of the school system, but they were just doing it as a home based way or because they were trying to replicate what the experience their kids were getting at school and doing it in the home setting. And I think that really threw people off. Like they were just like, this isn't working. This is horrible. I'm not, you know, and and I felt bad for them. Mm -hmm. I didn't really engage because I feel like, okay, well, I haven't yet been homeschooling my kids, but I've been studying about it for a long time. But um, it just really left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths about um, homeschooling in general and, oh, this doesn't work. And it's just not for me. It might work for some people. But um, I, I just... Would implore them that um, to 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 not give up. And you know, first of all, what's your notion of Have you heard of deschooling?
1: I have not heard that term.
0: So deschooling is the notion that it, before you even start to homeschool. So if you were to have had a child in um, the school setting, um, and because it's such so far removed from any. Reality, you know, like mm-hmm. you mentioned before, there, there there's a total disconnect between mm-hmm. institutionalized learning and real life living. Right. Um, but people don't realize that. Um, so, people who are like kids who are struggling in school, probably for very good reason, because it's it's nonsense. Um, when they get pulled back into homeschooling, they actually almost have to do they they have to de-school, meaning they have to basically rid themselves of then the, kind of like a detox almost right. it's like right. detoxing from school so that like you know we're not going to do anything school related for they say usually about one month for every year of school that they were they endured um or at least a couple weeks so you know if they've been if they were a fifth grader okay maybe we we spend the next four or five months we're not even really going to focus on school we're just going to focus on being a kid again and building our mm-hmm. relationship um so, you know, a lot of people ended up having, you know, in this ho- the, the, these homeschool Facebook groups I was part of, uh, a lot of people re- recommended, okay, just de-school, like don't even think about school, just like detox from it entirely, get it all out of your system before we try and go from one unrealistic scenario to another unrealistic scenario. Let's just take a step back, kind of like what you did with your right. kids and like, I-, I just need to step back refocus. Let's just build our relationship. I'm just still going to let him, if he wants to, he or she, you know, if he wants to play video games or, or Minecraft games all day, then I'm going to let him do that for the time being. And then, you know, we can start tying these things to, okay, you like playing Minecraft. How can we, um, incorporate that into what can we learn from Minecraft? How can we start you know, incorporating that into, uh, real world experiences, um, and just starting to branch off from that, taking their interests. Okay, video games. Well, what do we learn in video games? Can we start learning? You know, teaching you how to code. Can you program your own video games? You, you, taking their natural interests and using that as a as a launching point to learning something that is aligned with what they 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 learn, rather than something that is forced on them. From the school system, you know, mm-hmm. like I, 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 one of my favorite examples to use is like the Ming Dynasty from China, you know, get, having to have a, a school student sit there and learn and memorize ridiculous facts about the Ming Dynasty and what pottery they used and, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the dates and what, the, you know, uh, who, who, when will you ever need that knowledge? And it's no wonder kids are so disengaged. From that whole process, they just check out why they think it's a joke because it is because, you know, nobody needs to know about the Ming Dynasty. If at some point in your life, you really have a a, a burning curiosity to, to know more about Chinese history, well, great. Do it at that at that point, but for somebody to force upon you and tell you you must learn about the Ming Dynasty, and if you don't memorize everything there is to know about the Ming Ming Dynasty or the Tang Dynasty, and uh, you get a bad grade based upon that uh, and label you stupid, well, what kind of a system is that? Well, plus a lot of those facts are
1: are just. Bare bones things, they're not connected to anything, and so it's so hard to grab a hold of them and make them meaningful. But, um, we uh ended up going to live in Taiwan for several months when our mm-hmm. youngest three children were still being taught at home, and so I said we should study Chinese history while we're here because even though we're just on Taiwan. Um, We have the culture and they had museums and and things there. So it was so interesting on several levels. One, that I could just decide, okay, all three kids were going to, I got a couple of books off of Amazon, the overviews of Chinese history. And it's interesting culturally, almost every culture thinks that they are the superior culture. And the Chinese culture is no different. And so the the people who study it tend to think highly of it. And so we were constantly both from uh, our new friends, some of them that we would meet through learning the Chinese language, some there, and through reading the textbooks, they would try to make these statements about how special the Chinese people were. And don't get me wrong, I love everybody, right? Okay. But we'd be reading through these Chinese history books, and it would be one war after another, one conqueror after another. And so practically every day, we'd all look up at each other and go, yep, they're different. (laughs) In in obvious sarcasm, because we were doing, it was like reading a history of Europe or Russia, just with different names. It's all the same conflicts. But what we did do, and I'm very fond of using timelines in any kind of study that we did, because Timelines are a way to tie everything together, whether it be history, science, um, literature. So they had, um, when we were at home, we had, they each had a timeline book that they could constantly enter things into so they could see how it compared to other things that they had learned in the past. But when we were there, I didn't want to take everything. So what we did was we lined one of the hallways in our apartment with a timeline and we would go write things on that timeline. So they really learned a lot of things. Well, when this gets into a little bit of Chinese history, when uh, right after world war II, when the Chinese nationalist government fled mainland China, they took with them about 20% of the artifacts from the national palace museum there in mainland China. And they set up their own truly magnificent museum on Taiwan. So we went there a couple of times. Every time somebody came to visit us, we would go there. And then towards the end of our time there, we'd been there about nine months and my husband's mom came to visit and the kids are knowing, you know, the museum is coming up again. And they had liked it, but they're like, do we have to go again? I don't know if we want to go again. And I thought about it and I could understand where they were coming from. And I said, just a minute. And so I went through everything that we had studied that year and I made them a scavenger hunt. So they had about three sheets of paper and they had to find things that either represented somebody or, you know, the pottery from this era or whatever. So I was on the tour. I printed these out and I gave it to them and they'd been there several times. So they knew their way around. And then I was on the tour with their grandma, my mother-in-law. And at one point they came up into the room. They weren't running, but they were, they were more energetic, but they were being quite appropriate. But they, we crossed paths and I said something to them and they told me how they were doing and they were having a good time. And the guide, the Chinese guide there, she's asked me about it. So I explained what was going on. She's like, that was such a good idea. I've never seen anybody do that before. Who else gets to go on a scavenger hunt in a Chinese museum?
0: Right. That sounds I would love that. I love scavenger hunts. I love puzzles and games and brain activities and everything. So that would keep my interest. I'm competitive, too. So, uh, you know, I would love to be the first one and find it all. I mean, a challenge for me. That's like that's speaking my love language. (laughs) But all the
1: other kids from the you know, they would have tours of school kids. They're just in their little groups and their little lines bored to tears. Absolutely. Yes.
0: Yeah. Uh huh. So, it, you know, it's about bringing it to life and making it exciting and fun and applicable uh, for your kids. And especially um, being that you were living in that culture, too. It wasn't mm-hmm. just, again, like the, there, there was a reality to it that mm-hmm. that that made it more real versus studying something that, again, you know, when when you're sitting there in class, like, why do I have to know this? Mm-hmm. Well, you, well, you don't. That's the bottom line. That's the, that's the secret. Your teachers won't tell you. You have absolutely no reason to know this. Um, Right.
1: And that gets to back to one of the other things you were saying, you're talking about the people who started homeschooling. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really crucial to get people to really ask themselves, what is education? What is it that I am trying to accomplish and to ask because what even somebody who's never thought about that and they're doing all this, they say, well, we've got to do this workbook. No, no, no. Why do you have to do this workbook? Well, we've got to learn this. Well, why do they have to learn that? And if you can get down to the basics, then you can really evaluate how you're doing something and relieve a lot of pressure because you find when you find the why, it leads you much better into the how.
0: Right, yeah. And again, and that's where I think a lot of people got tripped up um, mm-hmm. was was still, again, trying to replicate what they were, what the kids were learning at school and doing it just in a home setting, mm-hmm. which is almost the complete opposite of what homeschooling should be about. And unfortunately, of course, because due to the lockdowns, a lot of people who were who had been, you know, the seasoned veteran homeschoolers who, um, you know, knew and were knew what it was about. We're basically trying to tell these people, look, this isn't homeschooling. You know, homeschooling is going on field trips or it's, 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 you know, interacting with your world and the environment around you and preparing you in a much better, much more realistic way for the world that awaits you. But being locked down the way that we were um, where people couldn't go out and enjoy things. Yeah. You got to really dumb down, watered down version of, of homeschooling and if if, that, if this was your introduction to it, I could see why you wouldn't be impressed with it. Maybe. I mean, I sort of see that a
1: little bit. I think that the idea of field trips and all of that is overemphasized, especially for younger kids. For younger kids, their world is where they are and you can make that world come alive. In many, many ways, it does not require going to the park or unless you live in an apartment. And that's a little bit of a problem, too. But even with that, if you again, if you're really thinking about education and you're really thinking about exploring the world, you can look out the window and you can observe all kinds of things and make stories and make science projects. It's it doesn't have to be, oh, this thing you have to get out of the house.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, although that's one of the new the new iterations of homeschooling. I met a, a another mother um, in my neighborhood. We were at the park, the neighborhood park, um, and she's homeschooling, which I was pleased to see. And um, but she started; she had a little homeschooling group, and there's a new version. It's called like Wild and Free, where the basis of the homeschooling was to get out and explore and be in nature and do as much outdoor activity as possible, wild and free. I mean, I think it's probably still better than being in school. <laughs> right. Um, and
1: most people have yards or something. I mean, again, I know in some countries in particular, but it's not as possible. But in the U.S., most people at least have some sort of yard. And mm-hmm. a kid can learn so much just from being outside. And it reminds me of um how much the attitude of the parent makes a difference in the child's perception of the learning process. I had one friend who had very bad memories of taking tests. She spent an unhealthy amount of time conveying that to her children. So they were also terrified of tests. Mm -hmm. Whereas the better approach would be, okay, I had trouble with this. How important is it? How can I do things to make it work when I need to do it and instead teach a good attitude? So we can't go out the same way, maybe as we did before. How can we have fun here? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's about modeling. That's the one thing that, um, you know, the liberal libertarian homeschooler mentioned, um, both in, in, in education and in parenting is the importance of modeling, Mm -hmm. um, the behavior you want to see in your kids. So Mm -hmm. rather than taking that, that poor me attitude, okay, how can I model a better attitude for my kids? I can't expect my kids to know something that they haven't been exposed to through me. And it's about, and, and I think that's what challenges people with homeschooling too, is it does really force you to take a better look at yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and the ways that your behavior is affecting and shaping your kids as well and i think a lot of people aren't ready for that i mean for you know we're not ready for that conversation um they just would prefer to pretend everything's hunky- dory um well it kind of comes down
1: to one of the first things we said is that some parents are perfectly fine with the institutional school setting because They don't want to take on that priority of parenting. And so from the get go, they have the attitude that this is inconvenient and hard work. And then they pass that attitude on to their kids as they're trying to teach them. So everybody's unhappy. Surprise, Mm -hmm. surprise.
0: Yeah. And I think that's one of the the biggest things that I get frustrated with, Um, you know, thinking from like a political perspective and, um, with this whole, of course, I've been a proponent of homeschooling for many years, but especially this last year, it's really put a lot of things into perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet I still see from like conservatives, you know, like they still are not thinking outside of the box. They you know like they 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 still believe in the the notion of public schools, but they just want to tweak it a little bit. We just right. want to. We just want to create it so that it's made more in our image. So we want to get the sex ed nonsense out of schools and the woke curriculum out of schools. And of course, I agree with that. But at the same time, I'm like, well, you're fighting a losing battle. Like, when are you going to realize that you're fighting a losing battle? You might win a battle here and there, mm-hmm. but you're never going to win the war. The, the The public school education was captured a long time ago. We to get it back from the ideologues who control it would take a mo- would be a monumental task, a monumental undertaking. And in the meantime, <laughs> you are sending your child to the enemy mm-hmm. to be educated. And and, and I, I want to use that term because it is true. These are our mm-hmm. enemies at this point. And I hate that we have to talk this way. But this is where we're at right now.
1: That's why it's I that call same,
0: it a, I call it a day prison camp. Right. Yeah. School is, is, is pr- prison for, for children. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it's like, well, I keep saying, well, you can't send your children to be Caesar, to be educated and then be surprised when they come back as Romans. Right. Um, it's it, 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 so uh, it, it's about like, okay, it, how are we when, answering this question that I, the purpose of this, this, this interview, what can we do? Well, mm-hmm. number one, make your child a priority. Right. Make parenting a priority. Stop outsourcing it, Mm -hmm. whether that's sending your kids off to daycare, whether that's sending them off to public indoctrination camps where they are going to actively teach them values that are antithetical to your own. And they're going to do it for a much longer time than you spend with them if they're at school eight hours a day. And then they're after school activities for another one or two hours and then they're spending another hour or two doing homework at night. How much time does that leave for you as the parent to actively be shaping and molding your child's mind versus government apparatuses who are actively working against your better, you know, your benefit? And that's something I'm trying to go ahead.
1: Oh, plus they fractured the the parental child relationship by simply by taking up the time.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean,
1: they take up the time, they take up the role of being the source of wisdom and understanding. And so the parent is sort of just the housekeeper, the taxi. Right?
0: Yeah. The taxi. Exactly. You know, I just ferry them around from activity to activity. Um, More of a a fleeting figure in their life rather Mm -hmm. than a central pillar um, in their life. So, um, One of the biggest um, pushback that I get from, well, either personally or I see on social media about, you know, when I mention this, well, everybody gets it. Well, yeah, I I don't want to have to send them there, but I have to work. What would be your, (laughs) what, what would you say to them? What would be your solution to that? I mean, yeah, people have to work. So what are they supposed to do with their kids all day? I mean, especially now when they were, some parents might've been thrown into it, but give me your thoughts on on that kind of line of thinking.
1: It's a really hard thing to know how to approach because the bottom line is priorities. I mean, do you really want to have the best possible relationship with your child? Um, do you really want to protect them from the enemy, as you were saying? Because I have seen people from all socioeconomic levels effectively make choices to make their children a priority and teach them well because it was important to them so you just you have to really gauge who you're talking to or who else might be listening depending on who you want to influence in those kinds of conversations and risk offending people by speaking the truth because if they're not willing to admit the truth, they can never get to what is really important in making the decisions. The fact is, not everybody needs two cars, not everybody needs a certain size house or all of these extra activities. Um, and if you cut back on the working or the institutional school, yes, may, you have to buy uh, some resources but not nearly as much as people think to Mm -hmm. just having a few books around the house of some basics and discussing things and getting involved with other people in your life who, uh, if you get engaged with any grandparent, most of them are like, yeah, I'd love to spend time with your kid and share my resources that I've collected for 50 years. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's an excuse. And You can't convince people of something they don't want to admit, but you can call them out on it if you think it's worth your time. We can't change everybody. We have to pick our battles because of our limited time and energy, too.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and I think, you know, speaking of picking our battles, um, the one thing I go back and forth with is... um, You know, like I said, I I know a lot of parents and grandparents and and, and people who are politically active. And and of course, their heart is in the right place. So they're going around trying to um, gain support for, like I said, some of these various measures that would prevent all this sex ed nonsense from being taught in schools and the woke curriculum and the critical race theory. And of course, I support that. But on the same side, I'm like, well, wouldn't it be better, especially at this point, especially when we Mm -hmm. know what we know? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be better to focus your energy on creating a parallel institution or um, figure out a way to get out from under the public school system behemoth w- rather than fighting an uphill battle? Because that's what it is. I mean, like I said, you might you might win a battle here and there, but you are, we have lost the war a long time ago. I hate to say it. Um, we lost the war on public schooling. We're never going to wrestle it back from the people who think that their children belong to the state that your children belong to them. Well, the whole, never concept, gonna...
1: the whole concept of a public school was to create little citizen armies. It never mm-hmm. was
0: about educating people towards freedom
1: and mm-hmm. creativity.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. It was the, based on the Prussian model of, Mm -hmm. you know, creating little obedient worker bees or factory Mm -hmm. workers too, where they just aren't, you know, smart enough to pull the level lever, but (laughs) uh, um, yeah. So I, 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 that's what I'm trying to do with, with my show is, you know, I, I think and of course, I, I wouldn't be opposed to the right person or the right group, you know, talking about the activism that they're participating in and how they're trying to fight, um, you know, some of this nonsense going on in the schools. I think there are political battles that need to be fought. I don't want to just totally cede that ground. But I also want to really start getting, um, libertarians but especially conservative parents i'm trying to really with this with this show talk to conservatives of, as well mm-hmm. that and start to get them to think differently and start to question the state question what they're doing mm-hmm. and like you said why are we doing this and 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 kind of to answer my own question before about these parents who well i have to work well again i've been thinking about this for a long time and i've known for a long time that i want to Homeschool my child. So, I have started before becoming a parent setting my life up in such a way so that I will be able to when Mm -hmm. that time comes that I have a job that either offers me the flexibility of hours, or that, um, you know, my partner has a job that he has flexibility of hours so, so that, you know, we at least have, whether we have to work or not, there's some flexibility there. I've got online um, businesses, passive income that I can rely on, et cetera, mm-hmm. where I've, I've been thinking about this for a long time. And I think um, for some parents, okay, if you're listening to this, it's not too late. Start thinking about how how do you want to envision your life and how can you start, what decisions and choices can you make in your life today that will support your decision that you've already made to homeschool. Okay. I, I made the decision. I want to homeschool. What do I have to do in the meantime to make sure I can fulfill this dream? Whether like you said, it's, is it a sacrifice you have to make? Do I have to give up a car? Um, is it a, a career path choice that I have to make? Okay. Maybe I won't go for a PhD because if I ultimately decide I want to homeschool, the ROI return on investment, isn't going to be a good one for me. Um, but that would be sort of the direction I would be taking. Um, but the ones who are already forced into that, forced into thinking about it, I, I, I'm a little bit more sympathetic. I get it. You know, you were thrust upon this, this this horrible thing where now we have to put our kids in face diapers for eight hours a day. And yeah, you're not in a position to quit your job um, at this very moment. What would be any... Thoughts on how you would navigate that for parents who have been thrust into this? Well, getting back to
1: the idea of what is education and what are your goals for teaching or training your child, I would venture to say that even if they just have a few books and some free time, they're doing better than being subjected to the indoctrination and the boredom and the control of the institutional setting. So in that case if you really feel like your options are that limited then go with more of the unschooling and the freedom. Now of course the younger the child that is the younger the child is the more difficult that is. But the government has provided free child care and every time they. And provide now, and now they
0: want to expand it even. So now, right. in addition to the 12 years mm-hmm. of of uh, public education, plus maybe four more that they're going to get at, at the college indoctrination, advanced indoctrination, that's what I'm calling it right. now. Now they want to take your kid too uh, for pre kindergarten and voluntary pre K and everything. Because, you know what, 16 years wasn't enough. We need a full 18 years of having your children in the hands of the state um, because to totally wrestle control away from parents.
1: Right. And, and I think it can be helpful to understand there are some people who have done studies of the time spent in school settings, institutional school settings, actually doing anything remotely like academics. And it's roughly one fourth of the time, one fourth of the day spent there is possibly learning. So if you read stories to them at night, you would be doing probably just as well.
0: And just having a little discussion of something. And and I think that's another, um, I'm going to wrap up here quickly, but I just want to touch on one more thing is one of the other misconceptions about being a homeschooler is that you have to be rich to do it. And um, I, I think there are a lot of, again, it's like you, what you said about excuses. Well, no, you're just making excuses. There, if there's, if there's something that you want, you will make the appropriate sacrifices Right. in order to get it. And that, that goes for anything in life, whether it's about like losing weight. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. you know um, maybe you don't have to, you don't have to have a personal trainer to lose mm-hmm. weight. You know, like um, I'll use my brother as an example. He's been on a great weight loss journey. Um, you know, he's going to the gym at ten o'clock at night, even though he's working at. You know, he works a day job. He's got kids, um, mm-hmm. but he's that dedicated to uh, losing the weight. That okay, that's an appropriate sacrifice that, that he wants to make. It's not an excuse. Mm-hmm. It's a reason. So he, you know, um, that's like saying, you know, I can't home. You know, I can't lose weight because I don't have the money for a personal trainer well, where there's a will, there's a way.
1: Well, you know, there's an old proverb that I find true over and over. And that is um, necessity is the mother of invention. Mm -hmm. And if you make the choices that are the priorities and you start problem solving these things, I actually see people led into areas of prosperity because they learn whole new ways of thinking about their money. Whereas before Mm -hmm. they were just trying to make it. But now they're trying to think about how to use it wisely. So making the choices with the right priorities, I'm not promising riches. I'm not a prosperity preacher. But Mm -hmm. when you make choices that are in line with um, what should be most important, a lot of things fall into place. Even, I mean, the marriage relationship can often be better because you're not, you know, tearing at, you know, I've got to go this way. No, my job is more important. Right. Um, and again, because you don't have some of the expenses of doing all of these other things, it's not as bad of a situation as many people work up in their mind. Mm -hmm. But I I would like to add that the idea of changing the world and being active, because that's kind of what we were talking about. There is nobody in your life that you have a higher potential for influencing than your children. Nobody, even your spouse, Mm -hmm. even though I think that's a more important relationship and you can have a really good conversations, that person is, is more independent, more formed, and it's more of a mutual thing. And not to say that there's no mutuality with your children, but they depend on you differently. They depend, they're going to depend on someone, whether or not they're, you take advantage of that and you fulfill those roles with them or you send them off somewhere else. They're going to depend on someone. So why not, instead of trying to spend all this time and energy going off and having, fighting for this law and fighting for that, again, not saying that it's never appropriate, but people get really scattered and they think, but this is a really important thing. Whereas if they just concentrated on the priorities at home, when their children are young, they will raise their own little generation of people who know the truth, who Uh won't be sheep, who can think things through. And then when they get older, and their children are grown up, then they can do some of that activism stuff. But when the children are there, that is the
0: time and you won't Uh get that again. Right. It's about your circle of influence too. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what, what's your circle of influence? Well, the people right that I live with number one, right. Um, my, my own backyard, my own community. Um, right. it's, uh, it's almost like Jordan Peterson, clean your own room. If you can't right. even clean your own room, um, well, what business do you have telling everybody else how to live their life? Y- right. Y- you don't. Um, now granted it's the, the long-term approach, which is, fine. But, you know, when we're talking about, okay, what are solutions in the here and now Well, raising better kids? Well, that's a generational approach. Of course, one that we, we need to, to focus on, especially because I think, you know, as libertarians and conservatives, I think we, we, who place an emphasis or say we do place an emphasis on, on families and on Mm -hmm. um, uh, relationships and motherhood and traditional tradition, I guess, and traditional Mm -hmm. gender roles um, that I think that, that, that you're right, that that should be our number one priority and not a back burner priority. Like, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to earn money and I'm going to make, you know, uh, you know, climb the corporate ladder. And so I can take nice vacations with my kids, but at the same time, you know, uh, I'm going to break through the glass ceiling and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I won't, you know, neglecting might be a bit too strong of a term but while putting your kids on you know fifth fifth down on your priority list behind mm-hmm. you know uh, earning your career you know have or having a career climbing the corporate ladder you know keeping up with the Joneses etc where I think in order to t- to write this ship and it's going to take mm-hmm. a long time we're not going to see effects of it med- immediately but to write this ship, our focus should be immediately to pull your kids out of public school. At the very least. And even Mm -hmm. private schools, some of them aren't much better. So it's not like private schools are the solution either. Some of them might be, but not all of them. Right. But we need to shift the education paradigm immediately. Mm -hmm. And whatever you need to do to bump your kids up that priority ladder from number five or number three up to number one is what you need to do, um, because there's no other way we're going to win this battle while we're still sending our kids off to these public indoctrination camps, these prison day right. camps. So um, I, I want to wrap this up. Um, I want to give you the final word to, um, you know, put a bow on all of this, um, promote anything that you want to promote, um, and um, maybe just give some final thoughts about answering this question. What can we do? So your, your floor. Okay, <laughs> um, you know, even if you think about
1: the well people say sometimes, oh, but I need, I need to feel fulfilled. I need to do this thing to feel fulfilled. You can choose what makes you feel fulfilled because you choose your priorities. It is your priorities that will make you feel fulfilled. And how is it that we venerate teachers? I mean, it's this constant thing like teachers are the priests of our system. But if a parent tries to teach their own children, why are they then second-class citizens? Why are they then somehow not fulfilling their role in life? To me, that's a false dichotomy, a false premise there, that they're sort of presenting the truth to us and then trying to take it away at the same time. Um, So I would just encourage everybody to, like I said, to really evaluate what education is. And I go over some of those basics in um, my my website, thehappyhomeschool.com, which I also record as a podcast. But I think very foundational to that, to the whole idea of education is having a relationship with your child and communicating with them in a way that they know they are very important to you and that you stand up for what is right and true. And you do that not by holding a sign, although sometimes that's appropriate. You do that by your choices. You show them what is right and true by your choices.
0: Amen. I fully agree with you. And um, I know I throughout this show, I'm going to have many more conversations um, about homeschooling and schooling in general, because it's a huge topic and we can't talk about it enough. But I appreciate you coming on today. Um, Liberty Alliance Networks, what can we do to uh, start the conversation about homeschooling? and uh, I really enjoyed all your insights, as I always do. Um, and uh, just want to thank you again. And I want to thank everybody for, for watching. So uh, visit Laura at thehappyhomeschool.com. I will place all of uh, any other relevant social media links and any links, other links that Laura wants me to include on the show notes page, uh, libertyalliancenetwork.com. You'll be able to find everything on there. So Laura, thanks again.
1: Thanks for having me. It was fun. Pleasure.